you see um, Solskjaer confirm Sanchez was off yesterday after the game? Yes. Like, yeah. Doesn't surprise me, to be honest. Um, Sanchez obviously done really well at Arsenal. He looked a completely different player when he went to United. Though some people just don't suit certain clubs. It just doesn't work out for them. doesn't mean he's, he's any less of a player. It just means that something at the club didn't suit him, whether it be living or working in Manchester or working with different coaches, whatever it is, just didn't suit him. But interestingly, it frees up that number seven shirt. Can't think who United are looking at. Where's <laughs> number seven? There's nobody's reporting on it, but um, yeah, the, all the speculation now is Jaden Sancho is definitely going to come in because there's a number seven shirt available. What are you talking about? It'll have to be there or he won't end off. His shirt number's irrelevant. Yeah. But it has raised its head again, obviously, um, off the back of it. But yeah, what do you make of the Sanchez move? It, it was weird from the start for me. Um, Mikatari going the other way. Mm-hmm. Sanchez clearly didn't want to be there. It was all just, it was quite a, it was just, I don't know, it just, was muddying already muddy waters. With yeah, like, you could tell both of them didn't want to be where they wanted to be. So yeah. it sort of made sense to swap, but nobody seemed to benefit. There didn't seem to be a plus side for anyone, apart from the players, I suppose. And their agents, yeah. I mean, in hindsight, obviously it's easy to say, but, I mean, look, he was on £400,000 a week. Mm-hmm. He was there for two years. And then when he's been at Inter Milan for this year, he's they've paid the majority of that yeah. United. So for three years, they've been paying for absolutely nothing, basically. And I think that's the the final sort of, you know, the cherry on top of the cake of the tragic transferring they've been mm-hmm. doing lately. You know, like the Di Marias and everything and the random signings in and out, like Depay and that. The ones that just didn't work, they seem yeah. to be on a bit more switched on now. But that one, you know, with like the likes of Harry Maguire and the likes of... Bruno Fernandes, despite what they pay for them, they're more in the, the right United direction. signings, you can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to build a base there. Like Harry Maguire is obviously tipped to be England captain one day, so you can sort of understand them wanting to go and buy him, plus they need the centre-half. Obviously, the money is indifferent, but it's not up to yeah. us to set that price. I stand to Leicester getting a fantastic deal over the line for them, more than the United happen to spend. Um but yeah, you can see the direction they're going in. They're being a bit more astute in what they're going for. They're not just randomly bringing in players who are going to sell shirts and stuff. I think mm. The pie one as well was a weird one, but I was like, Memphis the pie always thought he'd do well over here. Just again, Manchester didn't suit him. It's just how it is. Yeah, it's it's definitely the best move for United in terms of the Jaden Sancho deal. This might have already happened by the time this goes live. Mm. They can't afford for this not to to go through now. Yeah. However, they are doing this classic thing that they appear to do where they go, oh, we won't be... I mean, what was it earlier in the year when they came out and said, we won't pay more than £50 million for him? Yeah. And everyone was like, great. Like, everyone in football is well aware that that amount is not going to get you in. Mm-hmm. But thanks for telling us that you're not willing to pay more than it. And now they've immediately come out this, and, you know, the, you know, Dortmund apparently won over 100 mil and... Which is their right as a selling club. You know, absolutely. And he's worth it based on the you know, the, the market of other players that have been sold for fees. Yeah. And, I mean, for example, he's twice the player Marata is, and we sold him for 50, so. Now, this whole, oh, we won't be held to ransom. We're, you know, we're not doing it. We, we won't pay. 
they did this they did this whole back and forth throughout January with Bruno Fernandez and then ended up paying the amount that they were quoted right at the start anyway. Yeah. And there's all this thing where the media are all coming out and they're all saying the same thing at the same time, you know, which leads to the thought that Man United are feeding out exactly what they want, like they always do. Mm. You know, the they're, they're feeding not they're feeding the certain reporters the same information and they're you know tweeting it out or reporting it and. I feel like this this is already done. They're just haggling over nothing. Both of them. Mm. When they both know that this is going to get done and how much it's going to be done for. I, I think it'll happen. I think it's a very good signing. It's a clever play by United, though. I mean, as you say, the feeding, drip-feeding information out, that obviously destabilises the market in their favour. Because, you know, if they put a story out, one, or if they leak a story saying, oh, you know, contact's been made, um, player's happy, but he's not happy with Borussia's handling of the, uh, the stuff there, and then all of a sudden, 10 media outlets run with it, and all of a sudden, Dortmund are thinking, oh, we're getting back into a corner here. You know, it's, it was a clever way to go and do your business. It's ruthless, but that's Manchester United of old. And United under Ferguson would come out and say, we want a player, and wouldn't discuss a fee. And they would say, we want that player, and that team would say, well, how much are you willing to pay? But we want that player. And Ferguson was ruthless for it. He'd go, we want the player. And then eventually the player would be like, oh my God, Alex Ferguson and Manchester United want me. And he'd go to the club and go, I want out. I want to be able to talk to them. Yeah. Straight away, your market value drops because that player only wants to go to one club then. There's not mm. a bit more going on. There's not three, four teams lining up. He wants to go to that one club and you lose all the negotiating power. And I think it's back to that sort of mindset. We'll mention that we're after or interested. We'll mention that we're not going to pay silly numbers. Then we'll sit back. And we'll let it ferment. And we'll speak to agents and we'll let them know we can pay X, Y, and Z, but we can't pay that um, we can't pay that fee up front. We're not we're not doing that. Coronavirus, you know, it's destabilised the market. People people joke about it or say, well, how? But look at the news coming out of Arsenal making what was it, fifty five redundancies. Yeah. Um, you know, and an Arsenal football club, as much as as much as you may not. To admit, they are a global, um, a global team. They they are something with a tremendous pull in the states at the moment. Same, obviously, with Cronky and his, his network out there. They do really well in the Asian markets, um, in the in the Chinese and particularly the Japanese. I mean, I know a lot of Japanese supporter clubs on Twitter. Um, uh, I follow AFTV mainly for the laugh and the banter. I'll be <laughs> honest, but I do, and they retweet a lot of. Uh, a lot of those markets out there, and it was when um, Wenger came over from uh, was it Gambara Saka? He came over from yeah, from or, Japan, or was yeah. it Grandpa's Eight? Something like that. Gra- Gra- Eight, it was. Yeah, and a, a lot of fans were like, "Oh, our manager and he's coming to Arsenal. Why are they coming to Japan for a, a coach?" You know, and that's where a lot of it got picked up. But they were clever in how they marketed, done pre-season tours over there, and and, and developed themselves. So to see them now at the, the back end of this this um, this COVID outbreak. Um, having to make 55 redundancies, it tells you all about the finance of football, isn't there, which is why I'm amazed, um, quite frankly shocked, that Ryan Fraser still hasn't been signed by someone. Well, I read, I know, yeah, I read yesterday that apparently it's Crystal Palace putting an offer on the table for him. So that's I thought, not he, I thought he had bigger dreams than that, I'll be well, honest. I mean, yeah, I mean, his dreams will be in irrelevance depending on who... Comes in, for him. comes in yeah. Apparently, he's been offered sixty thousand pounds a week by Palace. Not a bad living. Uh, no, no, not at all. 
and I'm not even bothered about the money. It's more the point of Tottenham don't seem interested anymore. You don't seem interested anymore. None of the top teams do. So he's he his for me. I think Ryan Fraser's decision now will be: Do I take one of the bids that's offered to me now, or do I hold out to sort of the back end of the transfer window, in case one of the bigger teams goes? Actually, we will have you. Maybe they have an injury. The mm. problem he's got is the transfer window finishes in October and the season starts in September. He's going to miss so out on a lot of football potential. Miss out on a, yeah, he misses out on a month of games. Mm. So, it's a dangerous game for him to play, but equally, he's, he's in a strong position personally, being a free agent at the moment. I'm, I'm sure he'll be sat there with his agent thinking, we hold all the cards. You're 26 years of age, you're quick, you've got Premier League experience, you've got goals, you're an international footballer. Someone is going to come in and offer decent money for you, but equally, I'm, I'm sure clubs are looking thinking, well, as he's on a free, we don't have to rush and get that deal over the line. We can go and try and tie up our... A target and B target and C target. If that doesn't work, then we'll go to Ryan Fraser as the backup. So, suppose there's two ways of looking at it. But it, uh, it puts an interesting spin on this whole transfer window. Very interesting. Going back to Arsenal, mm. the one problem I've got with the redundancies is they put out this statement and it's, you know, our aim is protecting jobs and salaries, etc. But unfortunately, we now have got to the point where we are proposing 55 redundancies and we don't make this lightly. You know, it's upsetting and difficult for our dedicated staff in this post-COVID world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's like 30-year-old William, yeah, um, offering more than Chelsea are paying him over the course of four years, give Aubameyang an extra £100,000 a week. Like, look, they've just won the FA Cup. Let's not act like this isn't planned. Mm. They knew what they were doing. We've won the FA Cup. Everyone's on a high. Announce on a... Wednesday evening that we're making redundancies, announced the Willian signing next week. So there's a bit of time between the two. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Aubameyang's a different story. But that look, this Willian deal is going to happen. I have a, I have a, I have a problem with the Willian deal. As, much as, as to why, but I'll let you go first. Is yours in the sense of the direction Arsenal are going in? No, in mine is more this... the fact that he turns 32 on Sunday. Yes. He's going to be 32 on Sunday. He's going to get a three-year contract on stupid money yeah. for a player that, and obviously you're a Chelsea fan, you'll have more information than me, but from the outside looking in, has never really lit the Premier League up. He's been in for five games, being fantastic, off the boil for one or two, injured for a couple, then back in. Struggles, for me, struggles to find form. Um, if you look at the players that you've had at the club, you've had Eden Hazard, an absolute success. Um, you've had Oscar, who I thought was a short-term success until he got moved on. You had, I, I would have said Pedro was the better player than William. Better attitude, better application. Um, Pedro, as you've seen, um, came on in the in the derby for the FA Cup final. Got injured and he's still tweeting Chelsea fans from his bed. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to miss the Europa League, uh, the Champions League, League game. Yeah. Um, this is me out. I, I, as you know, I'm joining Roma and everything's amicable and it, it's ran right. And William just seems to be this petulant, spoiled brat. As soon as Hazard left, it was, I want the number 10 shirt. I am having that. And you're like, well, you've got no intention of staying and, and playing by our rules, which you've bought mm. And you've known to coming for the last four years. Yeah. You know, everybody at Chelsea Football Club, when they sign whether the 21 or 22 or 28, knows at 30, this is the process. What has he done to get to 31 and then go, dig his heels in, you need me, I don't need you. Sorry, mate, just sign Ziyech and Werner. We're looking at Kai Havertz. 
you are massively irrelevant. However, Arsenal, and I think this is the point you may touch on, are looking and thinking, Premier League experience, won the Premier League. We'll pay over the odds for that. We'll just get through, we'll get through another year and that's how the plan seems to be. We'll just get to another year and see where we are. Same with the David Luiz, giving him an extra year. Just just get it done. We'll see where we are in a year. There doesn't seem to be a long-term plan there. In terms of William at Chelsea, yeah. Everyone, for those who don't know, everyone who's who it's 30, Chelsea, in recent times, don't offer them more than a year mm. deal. And famously, even people like John Terry got it. Yeah, we've offered Willian two and he still said no. And, and Arsenal are apparently are going to offer him a three-year deal with the option of a fourth. They're going to increase his wages. But then you're hearing things that he's actually going to reject higher offers from other clubs. Now, I'm hearing things like Chinese clubs and Inter Miami are in for him. Mm. Which then you sit there, you must sit there as an Arsenal fan and go, why are we picking off MLS fodder? And then at the same time, I'm hearing, oh, Real Madrid and Manchester City and Barcelona are in for him. And I'm like... No, that's not getting, a chance. No, that's getting leaked by someone. The problem, there's there's two problems I have with it. I want the first one is to do with the redundancies, and then the second one is to do with the agent. The first one with the redundancies is, it's it must be difficult being an Arsenal fan, having that this news broke while this news is going on, mm. because I I when I think on the Wenger, Arsenal, they always seem to do things the right way. Yeah. Like, you know, in terms of you always heard about the spending and the FFP and whether that was good marketing and Wenger was saying the right things because he didn't have the money to spend. But there was always this air around Arsenal. They were the the people's club Mm. in the sense of, you know, they did the right things. And and that was always despite the fact that they had the highest priced season tickets. And now they're going to make 55 redundancies that, let's be honest, you think about how much that's going to cost even just over the course of one year, Mm. those 55 people. And you're going to offer someone who ultimately is joining Arsenal because his agent is also David Luiz's agent, who is also Cedric Suarez's agent, who is also Coutinho's agent, who also owns a restaurant with David Luiz and William. Mm. Like this, this is screaming of this agent, um, is now getting, it's very, it reminds me of Mina Rayola. You know, when he was yeah. moving everyone in and out of Manchester United. Yeah. Everyone seems to be getting moved in and out of Arsenal now because of him. Like, Arsenal fans seem to have predicted that they were going to get linked with Coutinho because of this. This mm. hasn't surprised them that this happened. David Luiz, when he left Chelsea, was always going to stay in London. We just didn't know where he was going to go. Mm. William's been exactly the same. Chelsea fans have known for a while William was going to leave. It was always going to be in London because of their restaurant and their lifestyle. You know, their their future is built around this city. And as an Arsenal fan, I, I you know, I, I'd love to hear from them because this doesn't, yeah, this doesn't strike me as the kind of signing of we're pressing forward. Like, look, Manchester City have just signed Ferran Torres for tw- yeah. you know, he's 20, 20, in his early 20s. Um, 20, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ryan Fraser's out there. We've just signed Ziyech and Werner. Ake's just signed as well for City. Ake's just signed. In terms of like attacking talent, though, Manchester United are linked with Jadon Sancho. Uh, Tottenham are going to be linked with a few players soon. You know, I know, like, again, we're saying attacking talent, but Hoiberg, like, these are linked with Thomas Partey Mm. for, like, 60 mil. They're going to sign Willian on a free. They're trying to keep hold of Aubameyang. They're trying to quietly move Gwendouzi off. They're trying to move Gwendouzi off, but no one can do it because everyone's realised he's a petulant child. 
But also, we're going to make 55 redundancies. Yeah. I'm... Arsenal fans don't like Stan Kroenke. No. He uses Arsenal as an asset. Mm-hmm. Not... He's not got the same level of commitment to them as, say, Roman Abramovich does at Chelsea. Or Mashiri is now demonstrating with Everton. Mm. This, is a, this is a very, 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 very easy, easily solved problem. It's kind of... It's, it's, not, it's not good enough to be turned around and we're going to make 55 redundancies. Well, like it's kind of sorry, it's just kind of unexplainable. Like I'm sitting there going, how how this cannot cost you. This costs you a fraction of what you're going to offer Willian. It costs us a fraction of what you're going to offer Aubameyang, and it could cost you a fraction of what you're going to invest anyway in other areas. Mm. This is this is in effect meaningless, but it means absolutely everything to the people. That you get like people's livelihoods are going to depend on this. There's going to be people that they're going to lose their jobs in this. Like they haven't confirmed who. There's been talks of, you know, the scout that discovered Cesc Fabregas and everyone. He's going to be one of the ones to go. And and you're saying, well, these are the people that stay there for the long term. These are the people. Like you know, we've touched on it with Wigan, and we're going to get onto them later. You know, when we've said things like it's the tea lady, it's the kit man, it's the the one who runs the club shop, it's the it's the ticket, it's the steward. Hmm. Those are the people who have been there for. X plus years and will stay there for many more when Aubameyang does go or William does retire or, you know, uh, Saliba is sold to, you know, on. But no, you need to go because we, we want to bring in William because this agent said this, because this agent's going to get this one for us. How you were I'd, touched. Sorry, go on. I'd be interested to know how much they spent on agents fees. Well, this is the thing. Like you say, this agent who's got Coutinho and Cedric Suarez and blah, 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 blah. How much has he made out of this? Mm. How, about how much you is he slice, out of Arsenal football? How yeah. about you slice off even a fraction? Because I, I bet you any money, even a fraction of that getting sliced off yeah. could, could pay these for at least another year or two. I'd seen an, an interesting tweet uh, this morning, obviously linked to this story. Um, obviously, being a socialist myself, I'm not a huge fan of redundancies, and particularly not when... It's a football club the size and stature of Arsenal. I could, I can understand League One, League Two teams having to cut back and them not having a huge staff base, so having to cut into that, I get it. Even Championship clubs, I understand. Premier League clubs, you start looking at it thinking, well, where are your priorities? Mm. Do you know what I mean? As you've, as you've alluded to there, you've got your tea ladies and your ticket sellers and your stewards and your kit shops and you've got people who, who are selling pies and pasties out of the concourse. They're the ones who are going to get shafted. So the tweet I'd seen earlier was Arsenal obviously laying off the 55 staff. So let's assume they're all on an average wage of 28k a year, which they're not going to be, by the way. But let's do that, that yeah. saves Yeah, that saves 1.54 million. <laughs> okay. Is that a year? And that's a, yeah, yeah. And that's a month's wage. For Mesut Ozil. Oh my I'm God! Not blaming Mesut Ozil at all for earning what he's earning. His oh. agent played the blinder. He's got paid what he thinks he's due, and that's up to him. I am not blaming Mesut Ozil. I'm not saying Mesut Ozil should fall on the sword and say, "Well, I'll do this." However, they are sitting there as a football club and justifying having him not play. One point five four million they'd save a year. That's one month of Mesut Ozil. That's so annoying. That's the impact. It's actually like, look, we said this right at the start when we started this whole thing. And I said, this pandemic is going to expose piss poor businesses. 
mm-hmm. and it will expose poorly run football clubs. Yes. I'm not saying Arsenal are a poorly run football club, but they've made some poor decisions. The Oatsville one is exactly the same as the Alexis Sanchez one at Manchester United. Yes. You cannot blame both the players, their agents and themselves have played a blinder. If the money has been offered to them, they have taken it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he was never worth that money anyway, even when he was playing good. But this is the situation on the hand you've dealt yourselves. But that's how... one. What was it? 1.54? 1. 1. 1.54, 1. yeah. 1.54 million is nothing in football, regardless of whether we're in a global pandemic or not, for that's a top a Premier League team. How much money have they just gained from winning the FA Cup and walking into the Europa League? Well, the Europa League apparently is worth 40 million if you do it right. So, you know... They've just qualified for the Europa League. Let's let's just. However, say, their business model will state we'll get Champions League. I guarantee it. That's yeah. what they're they're trying to operate on Champions League money with a Europa League budget, and then have realised well, actually, this pandemic set into it as well. So we're gonna have to make savings somewhere. Well, don't touch Mesut. Don't touch Mesut. Uh, wages. No, no, no. We need to keep him as a as a high earner so that we can moan about how Mesut's ruined Arsenal Football Club. Because that's what the spin will be. When he goes, it'll be, we have to make a redundant season. We have players like Mesut Ozil sucking away at the club. And you're like, well, he wasn't sucking away. He didn't walk in and say, I want and You went, yes, there you go. Yeah. He and his agent will have had a conversation. You've gone, we can do this on this structure. Do you want it? And he'll have gone, yeah, I'll take that. Oh, I don't know. It just doesn't sit right. Football at the moment, and I've, I've touched on this before, me, but football at the top end, loses its appeal when I hear things like this. It makes me think, I'm done, I'm out. Even like the likes of going to watch Everton, and Everton haven't done anything wrong. They've been quite good throughout the whole coronavirus thing. But even at the top end, I'm just looking at it thinking, it stinks. It just stinks of, where's my money, where's my money, where's my money, where's my money? And I can't stand it. It just all, sits wrong. It's all these little, it's all these little inside little clicks that I'm not, I agree with you. The, the the game has changed. And a lot of people like to come out and say, yeah, Chelsea were the first ones to do it. Chelsea ruined it. It's, you know, okay. But it's all these little clicks that are, like, getting exposed of, like, the Mina Rayola clicks mm. and the... Um, what's the one at Wolves? Uh, George Mendes. George Mendes click. And the, the now... and I, I, His name has escaped me. I did know at this age in Arsenal. Now that little click that's forming... And it's the fact that clubs are just like, yeah, it's sound. Yeah. They don't even worry about it. Well, it's all they realise late on, like, hang on a minute, we brought in seven of these guys' clients and now he's manipulating. If we don't give one of them a deal, I'll be taking the other six with me. Exactly. And you're like, how are you not... You are clever businessmen. How are we getting in this position? Allegedly, yeah. I just... They're going to pay that, that yearly fee, like you said, and it won't even be that much because they all won't be on 28 grand a year. You know, like no. if it's, but, you know, some of them will be on more, some of them will be on less. So it'll average out, but you think how much they're going to pay in agent fees to just Williams' agent alone, potentially. This is all a potentially and allegedly and figures pulling out of the head, obviously, but it's just not a good look. Look, um, I want to touch on it because I don't want to act like we're ignoring it, but obviously the FA Cup final was last weekend. I predicted two on Chelsea. It obviously went two on Arsenal. They were the better team on the day. They deserved to win it. It encapsulated our season in one game. We were good going forward. We were poor defensively. They exposed it. The defence isn't quick enough. The defence isn't smart enough. The goalkeeping situation needs sorting. 
it didn't help when you lose your most creative attacker to a hamstring injury and your only decent defender on the pitch to a hamstring injury. But they were the better team and they deserved to win it on the day. We, we predicted about Bamiang being the difference maker. He, uh, he certainly was. He was, yeah. Just touching on the goalkeeper situation Yeah. at Chelsea. Emmy Martinez has come up today and said, I showed that I can play. I need to play more games next season. I would like to establish myself at Arsenal and become first choice. If I don't play, I'm going to move. I'm going to play where and I'm going to play where they play more. Thoughts on that? Would you take Emmy Martinez? I mean, yeah, I'd take anyone. Let's <laughs> let's be real. He's, he's played well. I'd take anyone. I really would. Um, I touched on this last week. I'd really love Nick Pope. I expect Joe Hart to be pulled out of the uh, the hat. Well, you stay away from um, that, Joe. I know, yeah. Yeah, I'd take Emmy. I, again, I've said this. I'd take anyone at the moment. It, I Beggars can't be choosers. And that is unfortunately the situation we are in with the world's most expensive goalkeeper. FA Cup final, though. Any thoughts? I know you watched it. Good final. Shame no fans are there, obviously. Yeah, it, it didn't feel like an FA Cup final. I mean, I'm a lot older than you, Jack, as you've mentioned once or twice. Um, you mentioning it. No, no, away from the podcast, because remember, you, you bully me daily um, mm. by a text message. You know, mm. The worst troll ever. Anyway, um, I remember the FA Cup being a spectacle a, a day out at... You'd get up in the morning and there'd be news on in terms of, oh, the, the team, this, this team, that. And then it'd be, go and watch the teams have breakfast, you know, on the TV and be a whole day dedicated to the three o'clock kickoff. And BBC would run with it all day and it was FA Cup final. It didn't matter who was playing. It was the FA Cup final, yeah. the oldest cup competition in the world. And so prestigious. And and that's been shoved to, what was it, 5, 5.30 kickoff? I can't even remember. 5.30. Five thirty kickoff, no fans there. There was no coverage. It was just like five o'clock. The show will start. Ah, oh, five days your game. Get out. We've had it now. It's lost all its glamour. It's lost all its glitz. Don't get me wrong. The game itself was okay. Um, I agree with what you say. Your defence was caught out by Aubameyang's raw pace and energy. A little bit of ingenuity from him, dropping shoulders, going inside one time, going outside the other, trying to drag defenders with him. Um, pick on Aspilicueta as he knew he'd, he'd leave him for pace, so he just sort of sat on him. I predicted 0-0 um, penalty win for you on to, off the back of Cavaliero. However, we both did say it would be whoever makes the defensive error would lose the game. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, your defence was not up to the task on the day. But you've taken it graciously, a lot more graciously than I would have. Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing you can do. Look, I'd love, we've had a fantastic season. Um, all this clickbait tat of Lampard's shown his flaws Lampard's a bottler Lampard's proven he's not good enough you know yawn just it's just crap clickbaity they had the exact same articles ready for Arteta if he lost it's it's piss poor but yeah we've had a good season I don't think you can knock us they were the better team on the day um I can't stand fans who lose games and have excuses We'll touch on it now. <laughs> I love the. I did love the fact that the FA went because for those of you who don't know, the referee of, will only ever referee one FA Cup final. Yeah. But because there was no fans, they were like, well, you know, we're not going to let someone showpiece be in front of no one. I was like, I really, I that's a I condone that. That's a nice that's a nice touch. And then they pick the same referee that refereed Chelsea Arsenal three years previously in Anthony Taylor, who sent off a Chelsea player last time. 
and then centre for Plymouth Chelsea player this time. I am not blaming the loss on the referee. Uh, Anthony Taylor's always had a reputation of brandishing cards quickly. Um, he did so in that game as well. There were a couple ones. There were only actually two. For me, the penalty was a penalty. However, I, I was chatting to my mate Dan, who was an Arsenal fan, and congratulated him and everything. But it was a penalty. I don't buy any of this. It started outside the box. The foul was committed inside the box. However, it was soft. We all know Aubameyang could have stayed on his feet. And I don't knock Aubameyang for going down. But let's be real, Aubameyang in a strength battle with Aspilicueta can stay on his feet. But he knew he goes down. It's fine. It's a penalty. It's a foul. It's a fantastic penalty, by the way. To bring you back into the game, struck with the side foot into the side netting. Speed and power. Yeah, confident. Um, You know, a real sort of like definition of who he is at the moment. And then as is his second goal, the Mace, the two decisions for me that Mason Mount gets booked when his foot is already planted and Ceballos runs into him mm. and he gets out a card quick. Mm. Mateo Kovacic's first yellow is a yellow card. Yeah. He goes flying in. He goes flying in. It's a yellow card, regardless of how early or late it is in the game. I hate that as well. Oh, it's only in the first 15 minutes. You can't book him for that. It doesn't make any sense. It is a yellow. The second one isn't. For those of you who haven't seen the game, the ball's in the middle. Xhaka and Kovacic go for it. They, to say, graze boots. They go for it identically. They both go in with that front toe raised. And they graze boots. It's, mm. it's, it's minimum. You see it up and down the country, across the world in football, daily. Xhaka goes down, makes a meal of it. I don't even really blame Xhaka. It is what it is. It's gamesmanship or whatever you want to call it. Certainly yeah, sportsmanship. It's certainly not sportsmanship. But then, yeah, um, Anthony Taylor, bang, yellow card, red card. And you're like, again, I can't see how you've had a clear idea of what that was. You must have been influenced by Jack. I don't know. But for me, the bigger issue is, it's not even Anthony Taylor, the bigger issue is why VAR can't get involved in yellow card decisions that I'm sorry do have detrimental effects on a game. You can sit there and go, I'm not saying you, but you can sit there and go, a red card is detrimental. But a second yellow is a red card, so a, it's a first the same yellow is. thing. Well, yeah, first yellow is because... To- it, cha- it changes the mentality of how you play. If, if Mason Mount gets booked in the first half for a yellow card, he's then wary of how he plays for the remainder of the game. Mm-hmm. All it takes is the VAR to go, it's about to run into him there. And he goes, oh, right, okay, sorry, Mason, it's not on. Or if he goes, I want to check, he runs over and goes, sorry, Mason, yellow card's been removed. Move on. Um, and the same with the red card. Look, that's not a yellow, Anthony. They've grazed boots. Okay, sound. look, I'm not booking him. Or I'll go check. And all this, I wrote a piece about it, all this, oh, it takes too long, is starting to piss me off. You know, in terms of the decisions, it's mm. taken too long to make a decision. It's it's starting to get a bit old in the sense of, well, tough shit. Like, oh, this will take too long, so I'll just send him off. Everyone will moan that the game is being dragged out. I'll just give the penalty. Like, it's kind of not good enough now. It's kind of like the technology's there, but people have been whinging that it takes too long. These water breaks have added seven plus minutes onto the end of every half, pretty much. No one's moaning about it now. No. And at the, the end of the day, VAR was brought in to make correct decisions. But it is, but it's not allowed game, to. But yeah. it's not allowed to intervene. So you're like, well, why have this fantastic bit of kit available to us? Why have this this game-changing 
uh, law brought in that you know it can get involved in red cards and get involved. Every goal decision has to be run through. It has to be validated by a VAR. I'm sorry, but as equally important as a goal is, so is a red card. A goal takes you one goal ahead. A red card can stop you advancing up the field and scoring two or three. It can be the reason that you go and lose one or two at the other end. It's equally as important to the game. So, yeah, it does need to be scrutinised. I think you're right in what you're saying, and we've spoken about it off air, obviously, but why hasn't Var just gone in his ear and said, look, Anthony, that's not a foul, you know, just double-check. And all he's got to do is say, everyone stay where you are. Jacques, you can have uh, oxygen, yeah, whatever you need. <laughs> Walk off, go to the screen, have a little look and go, what have I seen there? Well, from my angle, from standing here, it looks like he's gone bang straight on the top of his foot. From this angle, he hasn't touched him. Come over, Jacques, get up. Doesn't even have to book him because there was contact, but it was minimal. Come over and say, get up. Tit. Sorry about the second yellow. I don't believe it was a yellow. Thanks for bringing it to me attention. Everyone play on. Job done. We move on and you look at it and you think, now it's working. Now there's some validation being brought in. But to say, oh yeah, we've got this and we can see everything that happens on a pitch, but you can't look at that and you can't look at that. Why? What are you hiding? What is there to gain from this being here if you're not going to allow us to use it completely fully and wholly? It just doesn't exactly. make any sense. And yeah, look, I just want to clarify, I'm not... If I even said this. Even if Kovacic stays on the pitch, Arsenal will still win the game. I don't think it makes that much of a difference. I think it makes it a more even and entertaining game mm-hmm. towards the end. I think for the neutral as well, that's important. Mm-hmm. Because he shouldn't have been sent off. Like, let's be realistic about it. He shouldn't have been. You know, he might have done something later on. But, you know, in that moment, no. So, yeah. Arsenal, and I've congratulated the Arsenal fans, I know. Because they deserve to win. Like I said, it showed our weaknesses again. It showed theirs mm-hmm. as well. It showed our strengths. It showed theirs. It's a fantastic platform for them to build off. It must just great Arsenal fans, like you say, that they get that win over the line and now they're here. I know Arsenal fans seem to be happy with the idea of William coming in or at least overjoyed. And Chelsea fans are all like, sweet, belter, buzzing, off you go. He's, he's had an indifferent... You, you touched that right at the start. He is a solid 7 or 8 out of 10. I would rather have a solid 8 out of 10 consistently than a guy who's a 9 one day and a 3 the next. Yeah. However, his attitude just stinks. It's just It always has. There's always been something about it that just stinks. When Jose got sacked the second time, he was the only player that played well consistently throughout when everyone else down tools. Yeah. And I had a lot of respect for him for that. I went, you know, he never, ever, his performance seems up. Now, was that because everyone else has dropped and he just stayed at the same level so he looked better? I don't know. But I've always, I've said it on this show before, that shit he pulled with Conte, putting the trophies over him on the Instagram pic when they won the FA Cup because he, mm. he'd fallen out with him and then blamed it on his daughters. That That sticks in people's heads. And a lot of well, people for, aren't that bothered to see him go. They're not. Well, that, that's what I was going to say then. What always always gets me, and that one thing I always look for, is as excited as one team are to sign this player, I always look at the the fans' reaction from the team that they're leaving. And if there's no reaction with they're just like, yep, sound. Then alarm bells start ringing for me. You're like, if they're not fighting to keep him, or if fans aren't asked that he's going, something's not right with that player. See, Chelsea and Chelsea fans are looking at that going. That's 120k off the wage bill. Right, sound. Oh, massively. Where's yeah. it going? Where's it going? Where's it already gone? Oh, it's already gone on ZH and Werner. All right, Sam, don't even worry about it. 
We've got Hudson Adoy, we've got Pulisic lighting up, Pedro's gone, they'll mm. tweak someone else. Yeah, we're, it doesn't hurt Chelsea at all. No. Detrimental. Even though he's been up there with the assists and the, the, the goals, we've already brought in, you know, yeah. some little Team wizard. Obana. Yeah, some wizard and Red Bull Leipzig's all-time record goal scorer. So I think we'll be okay. There's a story just broke there from the Daily Mirror, just to, to let you know, um, on Arsenal. Apparently, Arsenal rejected the deal for Coutinho to sign Willian. They couldn't have both, and they chose Willian over Coutinho. Now I, and this is allegedly, this is my opinion, mm-hmm. that will have been the agent to me looking at the, the pieces on his, you know, his side, because they're mm-hmm. all his, and he'd gone, well, William would be happier with Luis because they're restaurant here, so we'll just, we'll move him over and we'll move Coutinho somewhere else. That keeps everyone happy. Yep, completely agree. It's, 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 it's trash. I don't like it. I'm sick of it. Um, but congratulations to Arsenal winning the FA Cup. I didn't want to brush over that. I didn't want to not bring that up. I didn't want to bring it up in like three weeks time. So I wanted to get that out of the way now because I know we've got other things we want to talk about. I know we want to get onto Wigan and Sheffield Wednesday. Do we want to touch on Newcastle quickly? Obviously, last week we did our Premier League um, season review. And when we got to Newcastle, we recorded it. We record on a Thursday. We talk about Newcastle and we're sat there going, oh, you know, latest update. Takeover still not happened. Yeah. Podcast goes out on a Friday. That Thursday night, though, the Saudis pull out. Yeah. You now, know, uh... allegedly, it's this is down to um, Mike Ashley. Allegedly. Now, certain news outlets are obviously going to put one story out. Somebody else is going to have their official scoop, quote-unquote, the other side. But the one that I, I'd read um, was Mike Ashley apparently was like, oh, I'm going to need like 80 million up front. Um, before this sale goes through, for God knows whatever reason, just as a sweetener or a retainer or whatever they wanted to label it as. Um, and they alarm bell started ringing the side, they and they were like, you know what, too many hoops to jump through, too much expected of us, we're just here to buy a club and take it forward, but you know what, have fun reselling it, and pulled out and walked away. Now that doesn't surprise me, if it's true, obviously I don't know. I'm not Mike Ashley. I'm also not a Saudi prince looking to buy Newcastle United Football Club, so I don't have the official scoop, I'll be completely honest. I'm only go based on what I know. What I know is Mike Ashley is that kind of character, so that wouldn't shock me at all if that did come to light as being how it had gone. Equally, I feel for the fans, man, again. We keep saying it, and it's something that always rings true with both of us. We are football fans before before I'm an Everton fan. I claim to be a football fan. I like to think I yeah. am. I take a, I take a vested interest in in local lower league clubs. I take a vested interest in the game as a whole. You do yourself. Um, you know we've been non league grounds. We've been abroad to non league grounds. It's just something that we enjoy. But yet again, it's the fans who are going to pay the price. Newcastle United Football Club are a sleeping giant. They are a one club. They're a one-team town. Um, if anybody who's ever been to Newcastle will know how passionate Geordies are about their football, um, how well-rounded they are when it comes to their football and how much they probably deserve to be able to dream that dream. I mean, I remember Newcastle when they finished second to, um, to United in the league years back and those exciting games under Keegan when they had Scherer and Aspria, Ferdinand, Ginola, Dyer Bowyer towards the back end of it, but they had they had exciting players and they were playing good, attractive football. And, and obviously, you know, Alan Shearer was Premier League all-time goal scorer. 
mainly because of his work at Newcastle. You look and think he was getting like 20 or 30 goals a season at Newcastle United Football Club, and then you've got this £40 million player, Joe Linton, who's just rocked up and he's got two. And no one's asking any questions. No one's looking. No, you know, there's no scrutiny on what's going on here. Why have we spent forty million? I mean, Jordy's getting in touch. Feel free to let me know. Um, Joe Linton, you can't be happy with that, surely. But no. equally, that deal goes through. They don't sign another Joe Linton. They actually go for somebody who is proven, somebody who is who they'll have done the homework on, who can play in the Premier League, who can. Who can take that next step for them? Make no mistake, they're getting. Listen, they've got a massive stadium. They're getting huge crowds when they're not playing well. Imagine if they had Saudi money behind them, where they could go and sign exciting players and and they pack that place to the rafters anyway. Like, but imagine they packed to the rafters to go and watch exciting young, athletic footballers who are going to drag them out of finishing mid-table and and push them towards that top end, pushing the likes of Wolves, Spurs, Arsenal. I'd say Everton, but let's be honest. <laughs> but you know, taking those steps and, and bridging those gaps and putting putting a ten year plan in place and saying, right, this is this is the kind of football we want to play. This is the kind of football we want to see. So this is the manager we need to go and go and deliver that. And that manager might have been Steve Bruce. I'm not knocking him. It might very well have been. But now that's going to be put on on the back burner. Mike actually still going to look to sell the club. So you're looking at this transfer window and you're thinking it's huge. You've got teams around them, the likes of Everton, who apparently are going to reinvest. Um, the likes of uh, Crystal Palace, who need to reinvest. And if they move Zaha on, we'll have money to go and spend. They're going to go and press forward with plans, and they've got managers in place who they believe in. And an ethos that's in Roy Hodgson well set it within the club to be hard working and difficult to break down. And under Use Never, there's an example, Ancelotti wants to play open, expansive football, and he's going to go and get players to go and do that. But Mike Ashley's not going to want to spend a penny now because he's like, well, why am I going to put more money into this or why am I going to reinvest money into this when I'm looking to sell it? He's going to want to get it moved as, as quick as possible. Now, there are rumours of a, an American consortium coming in to, to buy them out, and I'm always wary about the American markets, as, as we've spoken about today. With Stan Kroenke, he's obviously, he, he sees Arsenal as an asset to be put out there on the public market. Um, yeah. to be assetted against, to, to float, to, if you will, so we can obviously get a bit more financial pull on his American interests. Um, it was well noted at Liverpool a few years ago, Tom Hicks and Gillette, um, they nearly took Liverpool into administration, yeah. doing exactly that business model. Well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll float Liverpool Football Club and it'll feed all of our American interests. And Liverpool nearly went under. Do not underestimate how close they were to going into administration, which would have been massive. Absolutely massive. Um, Stranding other American owners in in the UK. I was going to say for context, you've got well, not context for the the counter to that. You've got the current Liverpool owners who are American who have done a good job. FSG, yeah, yeah, no, fantastic job, yeah. But yeah, they're the ones who've gone in and put a plan in place, and we, we've spoken mm. about it before. It seems to be a theme of the show. You have to have a plan. You have to have a, a coach in place who can deliver on that and. You have to believe it and trust it and nurture it and watch it grow and, and, and understand that. Yeah, and understand that there may be a year or two where nothing happens and that's okay. As long as year three, you can see where the progression is and, and that seems to be the right way to do it. But I seriously hope Newcastle can get something over the line because the fans deserve a lot more than what they're getting. A lot more. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Here's the thing. I've got the timeline here. It was April the 14th 
when the PCP Capital Partners had agreed to buy Newcastle for three hundred million pounds. Now the PC Partners is the consortium, you could call it, yeah. and that's what the Saudi um, prince is involved in that. Now, for context, this would have made Man- this would have made Newcastle United richer than Manchester City mm-hmm. on paper, you yeah. know, financial fair play and all that aside. So it was a huge deal. This isn't just a this isn't just a here's a bit more. Here's game life changing, game changing. And let's not kid ourselves. If they went down the same route as Manchester City had, they'd have done a lot of work for the city itself. Mm-hmm. So this is huge. And then 15 weeks later, they pull out on July the 30th. Now. <laughs> We are on episode 17 of the show, this mm-hmm. is. So we have been going on as long as this is done. I remember we were talking about it in the first few episodes in terms of takeovers and stuff. And we were speaking about the, the issues that first popped up around the time when the Saudi Arabia's human rights issues were cropping yeah. up. And we were saying, look, we're not you know, well-versed on this. And then they got you know, kind of brushed to the side quite quickly. Then it became about the fact that a lot of the Premier League, if not all of them, are pirated mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia. So then B in sports come out and they want the move blocked. Yeah. The government is getting urged to get involved. They're talking about, you know, Pochettino and Mbappe, aren't they? Yeah. And then it gets it gets dragged on and it's getting dragged on and it's getting dragged on and it's on and it's on. And then they eventually go, we're out. Now, Part of me is wondering if, and this is just my opinion, it was dragged on to the point where they go, if we keep dragging it on, they're going to pull out and then it's not us that have projected it. Because we've sat here on the show and we've heard everyone talking about it. And, you know, we've said people have turned on. If this was another club, it would have gone over the line straight away. Mm. Part of me feels like if we, the, you know, the people involved have said, if this is dragged out long enough, the Saudis will eventually pull out and then no one's been the bad guy that said no. Mm-hmm. Because this has kind of just like gone away now. Imagine if the Premier League had someone had gone, no. Then people have gone, well, why? Well, yeah, the, why yeah, doesn't, yeah. the why doesn't get questioned now because now they turn around and go. Well, they walked. It was nothing to do with us. They walked. Yeah. The problem I have. Now, if, if they're not suitable, fantastic. Because we've spoken about and we're going to speak about suitable owners. But why did it take 15 weeks? Surely, yeah. I, I, this is the one for me. I cannot. I, it's the fact that it's taken fifteen weeks to get to the point where they go, "We're out." And even if, and then we didn't even get a decision. No. So who I'm knows how much longer? It, who knows how many more it would have taken after fifteen? Yeah. But it took fifteen weeks for the Saudis to go. Do you know what? We're, you know, all the PCP capital partners to go. We're out. Which makes you wonder what they were dealing with. Was it the Premier League? Was it Mike well, they, Ashley? Well, this is the thing. It's all, and this is why you say we're going off what we've read and opinions and stuff. None of this is actually factual because all that we've had is the PCP partners have come out and said that due to the, they came out and said that due to the, where was it? They were saying due to, due to the, you know, the process and the time it took and the global pandemic, they've decided to pull out. But they, it was very, um, you know, sketchy. It was vague, is the word I'm looking for. It was vague. You know, you feel, you, you, I read the statement and went, Something's you, going on. You're trying to tell us something mm. by not telling us something. So, yeah, I just feel, for me, it comes back, yeah, to the Newcastle fans. I don't care who buys Newcastle. I just, you know, I don't want Newcastle under the ownership of Mike Ashley, and it's got nothing to do with me. I don't want Mike Ashley in football. I don't want Mike Ashley in business. 
you know, the way he treats his staff at Sports Direct, you know, I don't think he's doing anything different. At... He should buy Arsenal. He could fit in there. Oh, Christ. No, I don't want him anywhere near football. I don't want him anywhere near near business. And I, I do feel for them. And it just comes back to that again. They got, you know, and this isn't the first time it's happened to them. And they've been, you know, led along for 15 long weeks for them yeah. to just be told no. And now they're sat there going, right, we've got a transfer window now to the beginning of October. Will he spend? Will, he back Will we Bruce? actually bring anyone in? Will he back Bruce? Will we sign anyone? Will we just sell? Will he not invest at all because he wants to sell again? Will someone else buy us? You know, it's that cloud of uncertainty again. You because know, if, so. make no mistake, if, if Newcastle United don't go and strengthen in this window, they then get dragged into that that conversation we keep talking about, that bottom yeah. three conversation. I'm not saying they're going to go down, but anyone panics, that's well. giving me abuse. But they become part of the conversation if they don't strengthen. If you don't strengthen year on year, unfortunately, you fall down the pecking order, and that's just how it is. I Everybody think knows that that's how football operates. There's three strong teams coming up next year. Like, look, the way Palace finished, they need to get their act together, otherwise they're going to be down there as well. Oh, there's, yeah. three, there's three strong teams coming up in. Oh, congratulations to Fulham, who were promoted. Um, Along with Leeds and West Brom. Love all Leeds that. Leeds and West Brom, yeah. It was a good final. Um, I'm happy for Scott Parker. I'm glad he got the job in the first place. I'm glad he's managed to bring them back first time. I do like Fulham. I don't mind Fulham. I liked how the free kick in the first goal oh. was a vindication of they were working on that. I, lo- I love hearing stuff like that where they were like, we always know he stands off way off his line when a free kick's given in these areas. So, But if they know quick. that, how does he not know that as a keeper? Oh, I'm standing too far off my line. Someone one day is going to whip one in the post and I'm going to look a right tit. Let alone in a playoff final. Oh, I know. Do you know what I mean? At some so, point, this goalkeeping coach has got to say to him, stop coming so far out. Yeah. I wouldn't even blame the player. I would, if I was the manager, I would go to the coach and say, how's that happened? And when he goes, oh, well, he's standing in the wrong position, I'd be like, it's your job to coach him, so why is he in that position? Mm. That's where the book stops. But um, take nothing away from Joe Bryan's uh, effort on goal. It was, it was very, very well struck. I think... And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I would have liked to have seen Brentford up. I'll be honest. Someone new. Yeah. Give it a go and see how they get on. Especially going to uh, the new stadium as well. It would have been a fairy tale story. Um, however, I'm not against Fulham coming up at all. Usually six points for Everton, so I'll take that. We need them. So. <laughs> you need them. Yeah, Fulham are up. I think they'll do better than they did last time. I don't think they'll spend the money if they do spend money as. Um, I don't flippant. think they need to. I don't think they'll spend it as flippantly. I don't think they need to. I think they, they've they're another one who have gone to Scott Park and gone right. We'll, we'll back here. Let's see where this goes. And you know he's he's moved on some of the not the deadwood because that's not fair on the players who came in. Didn't really get a chance to do. Um, he's moved on some of the players that maybe weren't weren't following for the right reasons. But he, he's got himself a good strong unit there going right through the span of the team. And as long as he stays true to that and adds one or two more additions, I think they'll be fine for next season. I think they'll stay up. Um, I think Leeds will stay up. West Brom, I, I just do not know. Um, I like Sadden Village a lot. Um, I don't mind West Brom at all, but they do have that yo-yo-ness about them, so we'll see what happens. It'll be an interesting season, but that way, just to touch on those three teams, they've been formally invited to the first Premier League club meeting today. Um, as the Premier League meet to discuss five subs staying in, the yeah. use of VAR and any crowds that they can get in, they're all on the agenda for today's Premier League meeting. Sweet, go and look at them because they might have released them already. Yes, they might very well have. So, we've touched on Arsenal, we've touched on mm-hmm. Newcastle. 
We it's are. time to move on to Wigan and Sheffield Wednesday. Um, firstly, before we start, we put out clips, as we've touched on before, every mm. every Monday to Thursday from the previous week's episode. And we clipped up, we spoke about Wigan. We did. A while ago. It was episode 15. Yeah. We put out a clip and it's, um, yeah, it's done very well. Uh, a lot of people, it's the most interaction we've ever had. We've had a lot of people comment on us, a couple of people here, Danny Gallagher and Katie Powell have been commenting on us and we've been chatting back and forth with them about the situation, both Wigan fans and both just, you know, generally just gutted with the way it's gone. You know, they've thanked us for covering it. This is not on. We feel shafted. We feel shafted, yeah. I'm let's, yeah. Let's, let's not put any isolated. on it. They feel shafted and, and rightly so. I mean, obviously... Before, when we last recorded and we touched on Wigan, it was very much looking like the, the point deduction was going to stand, but they appealed the decision and, and we didn't know which way it was going to go. And I, I left the conversation by saying, I hope they get it overturned. Um, obviously, at the time of we recorded this, we've now found out that it's not been overturned, that the mm-hmm. EFL feel completely vindicated in their absolute destruction of a footballing institution. Um I put it out on my personal Twitter that just didn't sit right, and it still doesn't. Um, I t- let, let's get it right. I'm not from Wigan. I've only ever been to Wigan around about 10 times in my life. It's, it's local to us. Uh, it's only up the road. Um, I've got mates who live in Wigan. Um, our mate Max is from Wigan. So, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhere that's close to us. But equally, it's something that you look at and you think, that could be us one day. You know, we're, we're, Everton Football Club have been close in the past to going down. And if it weren't for Carlo this season, I think we've been a part of the conversation, definitely. Um, and, you know, when, once you're down there, you're in the EFL, and it's tricky to get out and everybody's scratching around for, for the same sort of scraps, trying to just keep the head above water, do not slip into League One. That's the panic. Don't slip into League One, have a solid season in the Championship and see if you can claw your way back up to the promised land. That will have been Wigan. They very much will have been right. We've got Paul Cook here. We've got a few good players. They've got Andy Robertson, former Everton left back. He was, he was supposed to go to Milan, but for a heart issue, never did. Um, they've got a couple of players scratching out their kid and down on loan from us. And, and you're looking, thinking, right, well, we're going to safe, pull themselves away from the shite, mid table. They can plan for next year. They can put something in place. They can go and back the manager. They can, you know, try and get further up the table. And who knows, push for playoffs next season. That, that's that's the the promised land, but because their owner decided to go and go and sell the club basically to what was it is is betting companies, brothers companies. So, so yeah, so the the IEC sold the majority of Wigan shareholdings to a Hong Kong based next next leader fund, and this was ratified by the Hong Kong Stock Exchange and the EFL. Mm. So both, so they sold from so IEC sold it to NLF and the Football League and the Hong Kong Stock Exchange went fine by me. Yeah. They then a month later announced they're going into administration because the next leader fund had refused to invest the proper money. Mm-hmm. Now this comes back to what we've touched on an earlier episode of how the fuck is that allowed? How yes. can someone walk in and go, I'll buy them and I'm going to put this in. And then after a month go, I'm not putting it in administration. And everyone goes, that makes, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, how, how does someone pass a fit and proper test and it gets ratified 
for them to then go after a month. Do I've you know what? No. Yeah. Again, I've touched on this before. I'm getting a mortgage on a flat. Imagine if two months in I go, not for me anymore. I'm not paying it. Not for me, I'm out. They'd the bank would go, the fuck are you talking about? No. We're either exactly. see- like 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 it's it, it it would be I would be considered the crazy man if I walked into the bank and went, so about this flat. Not really for me anymore, this one. Uh, I'm gonna need to get the money back I've already paid you, and then you can take it off me. I'm not really bothered what you do, going, I'm off. You'd be considered the fucking crazy guy walking and saying shit like that. And that is what has happened here. They have promised something and then gone, actually, you're all right. Then the administrators come in and they're trying to deal with it, Mm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we have alluded to the betting thing in previous things. And when a couple of the Wigan fans have been commenting, what happened at a private conversation about Wigan's situation involving EFL chairman Rick Parry was secretly filmed amid talk of betting on Wigan being relegated. Since then, nothing. Like, we don't know. So I, I, I personally, I don't know about you, would rather not speculate on it because it's literally that, from, you know, we were saying we'd look into it. I can't find anything else on it apart from discussions around that secret so, recording. So I am less inclined to go along that story now unless more information comes to light. For me, it's still piss poor ownership. So anyway, that was that was that bit. So yeah, so then suddenly the players aren't getting paid. People are getting sold left, right, and center. It's a bit of a fire sale, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, manager walks. Well, the manager has yeah gone. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kind of just going along a timeline just to show the 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 speed of the collapse here. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, obviously Paul Cook's left, but he hasn't got another job to walk into yet. He'll find one. That's not a problem. But the players that are left behind and is um, I think his number two took the the role of interim manager for now just to. Yeah, to see them through, but it's this huge grey cloud hanging over the club now as they search for another buyer, um, somebody to come and save them. Otherwise, they slip into League One now. They're not set up. They're going to get rinsed, as you say, fire sale time. They're going to get rinsed. They're not going to have it. They're not going to have a playing squad if they continue, or they're going to be packed with kids. Or, I mean, they've already shut the uh, the academy down, the academy base. They weren't looking to take extra kids in, you know, and there's your long-term vision gone. And we, we spoke about it last time about the impact on the local community um, and what impact it's going to have on the fan base. And the fact that, I mean, have you ever been to Wigan Athletics Ground on a match? No, 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 no. I have, I'll be honest. Um, yeah. It's dual use to use it for the rugby as well. So it yep. generates a fair amount of revenue because it's a big rugby town as well for the rugby league. Um, but equally, it is a football town, and it's always been labelled as, oh, it's a rugby town first, then a football town. That's not fair. It's not fair on the football fans. Because it is busy. Um, if you go down there, you've got people who... It's it's on an, um, a leisure estate, so there's retail, and there's yeah. bowl, and there's a Frankie and Benny, stuff like that. Um, other E3s are available, anyway. I'm not plugging Frankie and Benny's. Um, but there's all kinds going on. of a match day down there, and you've got people who are selling scarves, you've got people selling pints, people selling... Um, pies, you've got people selling programmes and these are all match day activities that generate income into the local area and into local pockets that will be decimated in League One it won't be gone completely because they'll still be playing football but it'll be decimated because we don't know what's happening with fans going back to the ground yet so we don't know if they're going back we don't know what capacities are going to be when they go back and gate numbers are obviously going to be lower because they're playing the division down mm-hmm costs are still going to remain exactly the way they are because you're still going to be travelling away. Yeah, you still got, You've still got 
all the same costs involved being in the championship as to being in League One, but the revenues drop. So straight away, you're on the back foot. And if you're in administration, you can't go and spend. You can't go and put money out and bring players in. You've got an even tighter budget to work to. But as, a, as I've said there, it's, it's those little match day enterprises that revolve around the ground that are going to feel the pinch first and foremost. We've said it before, it's the man on the streets, it's the tea lady, it's the pie seller, it's the seller selling the jag scarves two rows down, two rows down because you can't <laughs> have the busies nicking. But these are all little enterprises that feed off stuff and feed back into the local community. And they're all going to be decimated, they're all going to be waylaid and they're going to feel the pinch. And I, I don't know whether Wigan will ever get back to where they were. I mean, obviously I remember, and you remember you're not that, not that young, um, you remember Wigan beating in the Premier League, playing against yeah, yeah, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. Crespo yeah. scored that goal. Um, the great Wigan escape. Were, yeah, Wigan were a, were a decent Premier League outfit. You know, they were in there for a few years. They gave it a great fight. They won the, um, they won the FA Cup. They won the FA Cup, Ben Watson. Against Man City, yeah. Um, obviously, they went down that year. But, you know, I put them in the same bracket, if not... Yeah, I put them in the same bracket as West Brom. Yeah. They're not a top Premier League team, not a mid-table Premier League team, but they're in the conversation of get top six there, go up into this one, and try and stay for a year or two, make money, go back down, set ourselves back up, come back, try again. But now they've slipped away, obviously. Um, after after the playing staff and the manager and everybody involved with the day-to-day run of the club, pulling their tripe out to get them away from that conversation, the 8-0 against Hull was iconic for that. It was the first game after they were told, oh, you're going to get 12 points to coffee. And they were like, What? 8-0, go and get a win, go and get a win, go and get and they dragged themselves out and it was it was by pure spirit and determination in that playing squad and in that manager and as a fan base, obviously they weren't there, but it will have been felt around the community of we need to get out of this. It'll have been all over the forums, it'll have been all over their their personal internet, their personal Twitters and Facebooks like we need to get out of this and it'll have been a massive outpouring to get them away from that conversation and then just to be told, we're gonna to put your points on now. So you got to go down. Well, here's that. That's the issue with me. Quickly to touch upon, like you're saying, with the decimating through the community and everything. It's reported that in July, when they start doing the fire sale of the players, that around half of the non-playing staff were made redundant. Just so we're talking about 55 at Arsenal, but you know, I don't know how many that is. But bang, they're gone. So that decim- that you know that triggers that trickles down to their families and then that trickles down to you like you say in the community and et cetera, et cetera. The the big one for me with the points deduction is they get told, right, you're gonna lose twelve points. If you finish outside of the relegation zone, we're gonna take it off you this year. If you finish inside the relegation zone, we're gonna take it off you next year. Next year. Now, I get that in principle of the sense of, well, it's not really a punishment if you've already gone down. Like, I get that. However, it's we touched on this before. Why is it 12 when it was originally 10? Yeah. 10 would have, by the way, kept them up. Yeah. 12 sends them down. So I, I understand on principle of you can't be like to someone, right, we're going to take 12 points off you and then it not mean anything when they're already relegated. Because the entire point of, let's be honest, a 12-point deduction is to throw someone in the shit. Yeah. I.e. the relegation zone. So I can understand why that's pissed a lot of people off because it's kind of just, well, if you actually do manage to get out, we're still going to drag you back in. Yeah. Like you said, they go on to win 8-0 and, and they, they they climb out. And then as soon as so as soon as they get enough points to confirm that they wouldn't have finished in the relegation zone, like they would have been safe. 
they then get told, right, this will be activated. And then they draw with Fulham on the final day of the season, 1-1. Yeah. Putting them in the bottom three. As a result, Paul Cook Cook resigns, who's a fantastic manager. I think I remember, was it last season when Wigan knocked out Man... No, two years ago. Was it two years ago? Yeah, sorry, two years ago. When they knocked out Man City in the cup and Mm. Will Griggs scored and they were having it in the tunnel and everything because who was it? Someone flew in on one of the Wigan players and um, it was quite a bad tackle and then they were all going at each other in the... The tunnel. Yeah, I recall who the remember, player was, but I remember the fracker, yeah. The, the, the event. And it's all it's all garbage because, again, they should never have been allowed to get in this position. Now, we've touched on this previously about how they've been given a 12-point deduction and basically relegated off, well, they have been relegated off the back of it because yeah. of this owner dicking about. Yeah. Not they went in and spent an absolute fortune to try and wangle their way out and then got caught yeah whereas sheffield wednesday yeah have just had a 12 point deduction confirmed however it will tell place next season joke that isn't it now i've been reading a lot up on this because i want to make sure i get it right so wednesday will start next season with a 12 point deduction after being found guilty of breaching efl's profitability and sustainability rules Mm -hmm. right now from what i've read they sold their stadium to mm-hmm. a company owned by their, Chan- owner. by their owner for £60 million, reportedly, to help them record a pre-tax profit of £2.5 million in the 2017-18 season. Mm. It was a while ago. Now, whilst the stadium sale was included in the 2018 accounts, the equity was not transferred over until the following season, hence the charge being brought up in November 2019. Mm-hmm. So they... Oh, that was it. If they hadn't have done that, they would have posted a pre-tax loss of $35.4 million, which is, you know, outside the limits of over a three-year period. Mm-hmm. So they, they posted a £2.5 million profit when they actually should have posted a £35.4 million loss. Now, that took place, what are we, with 2019-20. So that took place two seasons ago. Yeah. It got found out this season. Yeah. And they're going, turns out you're guilty of that. 12 points, it'll be next season. Now, people are going mental about that because they're going, hang on, they've actually moved that around, whether accidentally on purpose, but their figures don't balance. It's not what it should have been. You're being punished as a result. I fully support that. If it's all proven to be true, and I don't know if Sheffield are appealing it or what's going on, but if it's all proven... Sorry, do you know if they're are they appealing it? They're waiting for the paperwork. And she's right. been charged, then there's right. a 14-day period and so, they're waiting for the paperwork to come through before they decide whether or not to appeal it but now, apparently apparently they're not going to oh okay because it can be say, proven outright right okay they've done it because i was going to say if they're, they're innocent then they're innocent take their points deduction off them move on this isn't for discussion the and they kind of this is the thing right the wigan situation and the sheffield wednesday situation don't have anything to do with each other unfortunately because they've happened within months of each other they look and, similar on the outside. And, and one team's getting, you can have yours next year and you can have yours this year, despite yeah. the fact that you've had absolutely zero control over it. Yeah. You're going down. You've appeared to have done something against FFP. Have yours next year. Have the opportunity no, I look, to stay up. Yeah, which, yeah. And I'm not trying to say, I'm not sitting here passionately fighting for Wigan and also going to say send Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday down the same route. That's not what this is about. It's it's about 
clarity and it's about transparency and it's about uniformity. If you're going to punish one, you punish the other. It's simple as that. Or you don't punish either. And as we've touched on before, you give them points deductions by all means, but at the start of the season, give them a chance. Set up knowing what they're looking at next year. Now, I looked into the EFL rules behind both of these rulings. Right, go on. And the EFL ruling is that anything to do with administration or insolvency incurs a points deduction that season. So Wigan went into administration, hence their 12-point deduction happened overnight. Mm -hmm. Because Sheffield Wednesdays is an FFP irregularity, theirs goes on next season because they're not in administration. However, had they posted that loss, they may have had to have entered administration, which means that their points deduction may have happened. But because they were sneaky... Allegedly. (laughs) Yeah, because they were allegedly sneaky, they're going to have a chance to set up next season knowing what the battle is. Yeah. Because Wigan were clear and transparent about it, or their owner was as brazen as you can friggin' be. Yeah. He's left them in the shit and he gets to walk away. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, it's not Sheffield Wednesday's fault that this has happened. Their owner has, has looked at it and gone, shit, we need to cook some books here. How can we do this? I know we'll sell that to that business. Oh, but you own that. Don't worry. They'll find out in a couple of years. It'll be grand. We'll hide it. And they've been sneaky about it. It's not Sheffield Wednesday's fault that that's happened. That's their owner again being unscrupulous. But the EFL, at some point, have got to look inwards, and Rick Paddy's the chair, Yes, got to look inwards and say, we as an organisation are failing. If two of our, two of our bigger members in Wigan and Sheffield Wednesday who played in the upper echelons of league football yeah. and bring so much clarity and, and bring so much verve and experience and and pomp to our league. Two big clubs, let's have it right. Yeah. Two big clubs. One's recently won an FA Cup, and Sheffield Wednesday are a national institution of football. They've been there from day dot. Yep. But if we're not going to monitor these, our members, rightly, closely, and every financial detail, so they're posting a £35 million profit, uh, sorry, a £2 million profit, when we would expect on a loss, send someone in there now. Send someone in there today. Get over them books, someone independent, and find out why they're posting a profit when we were expecting a huge loss. What's gone on? Something's gone on there. Go and investigate. Wigan's been sold. We've ratified that by selling it to the same owners of the company, and now it's going to fold. But we've ratified that, so why are we punishing them? We've told them it's okay. That's like me, and, and, and as a father, saying to Charlie, yeah, go and set fire to the couch, and then punishing them. Why did you burn the couch? Why are you burning on the couch? Well, you allowed me to. Yeah, fair enough. I left the yeah, matches out. I didn't think out. you'd do it. I left the matches out. I left the burner fluid over there and I walked away. And then something happened and I've gone, oh, <laughs> look what you've done. You're grounded. It, it's, it's just nonsense. What you do as a parent is you explain, this is what lighter fluid's for. This is what matches are for. You put them on there. This is what happens and we don't want to see that. So let's not let the two meet. And he goes, not a problem, I've learned my lesson. He hasn't he hasn't, he hasn't, been spanked, he hasn't been grounded, he hasn't had his PlayStation smashed up by his mother. None of that's happened because you've educated them beforehand. But the EFL is the parents, and this is how I see them in the relationship, yeah. with all of their children beneath them, and this is how we're going to rule, this is how we're going to govern, should be leading by example and saying, right, you want to sell your club from A to B, not a problem. We're going to investigate B before you move it because we want you here for the long term. You're our member. We want to protect you. We wanted to inspect B. Oh, B's owned by A. What are you trying to do? Or B hasn't got money to do what it's promising. So no, we're not going to ratify that sale. Find somebody else. 
but you're not in administration. You're not sinking away to League One or in the Sheffield Wednesday case. Well, let's have a look. So you want to sell your, you you want to sell your stadium? Okay, well, where are you selling it to? Because this is your home. You need this to perform in our league. So where are you selling it? Take a more vested interest before things happen, and you'll stop these things happening off the back of it. Now, the EFL are probably going to sit there and say it's impossible to to put that micromanagement on all the teams. Yeah, I put it to the EFL to say that you're not fit for purpose if you cannot if you cannot look at your members and govern them efficiently before something happens, you're not fit for purpose. I put it to the EFL that the FA should be actually investigating you because you're running one of their leagues. But you're running it to a piss-poor standard. You're allowing all these mismanagements to go on, going, oh, everyone else has issued nothing to do with us. You ratify every sale. What are you talking about? I understand, like you've said, you've you touched on it towards the back end. Then I agree in the sense of it's not the it's not the EFL's responsibility to govern everyone's business. Unfortunately for them, you cannot this this business of football, and and while I do keep saying it's a business, and I touched upon this last week when I was talking about airlines and whatnot, and no one's invested in an airline unless no. they are financially. Mm. People are invested in a football club. You you have to be a level above just or Woolworths have pissed it up. They're gone. Yeah. All right, I'll go shop somewhere else. Yeah. They, we've seen it. You know, we've seen clubs go. And there's more of a vested interest. They, there has to be an extra level of scrutiny. I just don't... It, it comes back to, again, and I've, I've touched on this before myself. I don't know how someone can be told, yes, you can buy a club. And they go, we're not actually going to put in what we said we would. And that's okay. Because mm. if you put... All they would have to do is go, right, you've, you're coming in. We're totally okay with that. How much are you going to put in? Oh, you want to put £100 million in? All right, just sign here for me, declaring that that will be gone in. That's legally binding, that is. And if they turn around and go, no, go, all right, thanks for your time. We'll see you later. What if That's they don't put simple... it in? The sanctions come against them, not the club, because the but club that... have done nothing wrong. Exactly, but they, legally buy... they sign a legally binding contract that states, mm. I will invest this much money over this amount of years. Now, you can go £100 million. In, say you do £100 million over four years. You can go 25 every year. Or yeah. you can go £100 million in year one. Yeah. You can't. What you can't do is you can't go, I'll put £100 million in in year four. You have stipulations where it goes, it's a minimum of this per year. Yeah. If you want to put more in ahead of time, feel free. Yeah. If they then go, oh, I don't feel like signing that, then the alarm bell should ring and you go, do you know what? Or negotiate and you go, well, look, we can put in 10 here and we expect it to grow to this and we'll agree to put in 15. That's a business decision. Mm. You've got to be willing to, if you're coming in to buy a football club or you're coming in to buy a toy, they, you can't just be like, I'll put this much in. They go, that sounds like a great idea. Sign here. And then they turn around and go, remember that idea I had? I'm not doing it. Ah, you. Right, you're Wigan. Scamp. Wigan. You, fuck, you fucked up here, didn't you? Now, I also agree that the EFL are kind of like the middleman. They're the ones just going, right, you're selling to you and is everyone all right with that? Right, fine. And they shouldn't have to be sitting there going, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. But teeth. it's their league. But somebody has to. Yeah, it's their somebody league. Somebody has to. I mean, I, I, I coach at U14. Before I take my team into the league, I have to make sure all my players are registered, right? I have to yeah. document proof of who they are and stuff. I have to document um, photographs of them. Yeah. They have to go on the whole game system and I have to prove where we finished last season to, to, to say to them this is where I deserve to go this season 
that's under 14 football. There's no money involved in that. I pay a league fee, same as every team in the EFL pay a league fee, by the way. Mm. Same, it's the same business model everywhere. Only I pay £75 this year because COVID hits and it's cheaper this season. Great value if I get all games on. Yeah. But that's the sort of paperwork and scrutiny from a kids' football league. No one's there sitting going, what, what league were you in last year? All oh, right, okay, well, we'll take your word for it. Um, and all those kids, the right age, oh, we'll take your word for it. Don't worry about it. If uh, something goes wrong, we'll punish you. They don't, they take it seriously and they go, well, this is our league. This is, you know, the the, um, the chairman who you know, uh, I won't say his name, it's not fair, but you know the chairman yeah. um, of my league. He's very proud of his league. It's his league. He administrates it all. And he's proud of it. It's been there for years. It's it's seen as a prestigious league in, in Liverpool. And it's ran right. And that's why people want to go to it. I, 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 I can't see anybody wanting to work with the EFL after this. It's a case of they have to. And I, 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 that point you just made there, mate, you bit the nail on the head and well done for doing it. I can't get past it. I keep replaying it in my yeah. mind. This is not Woolworths. Woolworths goes down, you find somewhere else to shop. Football fans don't have that option. No. You're right. Football fans don't have that option. If a football club disappeared tomorrow like that, I can't then go and support Liverpool. Not in my DNA. I can't go and support Chelsea, Man City, no. Newcastle. I'd probably end up with Garswood United, Cheshire Lions, Mossley Hill, Marshalls. I'll end up going and watching one of them. Do you know what but I mean? It's, it's over my local. at the highest level. But it's over for me. That's me done with upper football if Everton disappear I'm done I will never support another Premier League team Wigan fans don't have that option they can't just go oh well that, that's shite I'll tell you what, I'll just switch to the rugby they can't do it to football fans they're not going to go oh I'll tell you what I'll just go down the uh, 62 I'll go and watch Everton or Liverpool they're not Everton or Liverpool fans they're Wigan fans shame for, shame for the Sheffield Wednesday Wednesday uh, minus 12 next season if they slip away and go to League 1 and the gates start dropping. The gates are going to drop because the fans don't want to go and see their team. They're not dropping because they're all going to switch to go and watch United, Sheffield yeah. United play. Oh, not well, they're in the Prem now, so, you know. We'll yeah, just, not a we'll chance. Is no. that going to happen? Football fans have no option, and you've hit the nail on your head. This is not Woolworths. You don't get to shop elsewhere. The thing, it, it keeps coming back to it. It's like a decision was made in a room between a few people to sign over Wigan from one to the other. Mm-hmm. and we'll never know the conversations that were had behind that and stipulations were made and contracts were signed and it was done in that moment of time that then trickles down to the people in the room well mm-hmm. it starts with the people in the room then it trickles down to the players Paul Cook the academy the reserve team then we go the kit man the non-playing staff then it trickles down to their families mm-hmm. then you go off and you go it's the supporters it's their kids, it's their families. Then, as you touched upon, it goes out to the hot dog stand, the like the merchandise shop, mm. the ice cream shop, the yeah. restaurant, the pub, the fish and chip shop. Then it trickles down to their owners and their families. It's a wide net. Mm. But, you know, a handful of people will have been in a room and gone, this is good. Yeah. Now, it may have been good. Now, this is, the, this is another point I want to make. It may have been good. I'm not saying the EFL sat in there and gone, this isn't going to work. Crack on. They, it might have all looked sweet. It might have all looked perfect because they said, yeah, they've promised to invest this and this is actually going to be good for Wigan. If we say no, this actually hurts Wigan. We can't be seen to just saying no, i.e. Newcastle. Mm. We have to let this through. It all looks above board. Fantastic. Go. 
but there was no safeguard in place to prevent it if it went wrong. You've got and that's to say, issue. It's, it's a basic fucking business issue to go, what's the pros and the cons? Yeah. Look, we worked together in our previous job together before you left me. And the <laughs> and we sat there multiple times and went, what's the pro to this decision? What's the con to this decision? Where if it was as basic of whose shift are we going to give this to, to yeah. what are we going to do in terms of this, you know, whatever. Yeah. It was always you sit there and go, here is the pro, here is the con. Um, the pro is unfortunately not worth what could happen, not yeah. even what will happen. What could happen? We do not make this decision. Exactly. Oh, the pros outweigh this. This is the con. Let us address the con before we go ahead with it. Let's see if we can make it a pro. The con's actually not a con. We go ahead. Exactly. Like there has to be stipulations in place, and there's also got to be rules and guidelines. And like I've said, why are there right. not things where it's like you've agreed to pay this? That means you're, paying. You're fucking paying it because if yeah. that's happened, all this has is is one signature on a document like that will either force that owner and that company to pay it, we're going to find, we're not having this conversation, or they'd have turned around and gone, no, and you'd have gone, thank you very much. Mm. Wigan wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah. And I'm not it's trying really to be big. a dick, but no, if, no, me, and you sat, I get it. if I, me and I you are sat here, understand. if me and you are sat here going and working this out, who but the EFL fucking isn't? I, I, I don't know. Like, like, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an administrator. I'm not. I ran a business. It was minuscule in comparison to this. But the, I've always said the principles from the very bottom to the very top are the same in terms of balancing same, and yeah. everything. They're the same fucking principles. Yeah. There may be some reason why they can't do that. But there needs to be way more transparency because at the moment you've got Wigan fans sitting here heartbroken going, why has this happened? And no one's telling them anything. And, and just... why are there people, and I don't mean to knock us, but why has it got people like us talking about it? And, and people on Sky are talking about it. People on TalkSport are saying, everyone's speculating on it. Why have the EFL not come out and gone, this is why? And not like, oh, this is why, because our rule says if you go into administration. No, no. This is the story. Yeah. And unfortunately, this has happened for right or wrong. Hmm. There's some clarity. It's peace for you. The Premier League needs to come out and go, Newcastle, this is why it didn't happen. Hmm. They need to come out to Sheffield Wednesday and go, this is why it happened. Because I'm not, not Sheffield United Wednesday haven't won here. Sheffield no, 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 Wednesday, no. Uh, unfortunately, looking ahead, going, we've got to we, fucking make, we we've got to make, well slip away. we've got to make twelve points before we start. Yes, like, we've got to win four games before we can think about right. Let's hit forty or whatever it is in the you know the lower league. Yeah, they, there needs to be way more transparency with people, so people aren't sat there going, "Is my club staying or going?" Like I'm in a very very privileged position as a Chelsea fan where I know we are okay. Because unfortunately, the reality is if Roman Abramovich sold us tomorrow, someone else would buy us because Chelsea makes a shitload of money. They're a successful team in London. London's a huge part of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, like I'm not like, a, you know, I don't want to go on a complete tangent because I'm aware of the time, but look at the location of a lot of these clubs that are going under. They're in the north. They're not in London. No, they're in the... I, I don't want to sit here and talk about the class divide because no, I'm not about that. But, but it's clear and obvious. A lot of players that, want to go play in London. Of course you do. And there's more money generated down there. And it's the capital city. And I get it. I do. I genuinely do. And I'm and not expecting the EFL to sit there and go, well, because it's not in London, I don't care. No, exactly. And, and that's not what's happening. And we're not. And we'll, we can get on to that another time. It's just there needs to be more clarity from the, the, everyone bangs on. 
and this is where I'll end it. Everyone bangs on about the growing gap between football and its fans. Yeah. And this is a fantastic opportunity to make an attempt to close that by going, we're all in this together. Yeah. This is what has happened. Not you play in our league. We play in our league. This is, this this is, is our league. EFL are sitting there going, this is our league. We'll do what we want. But they need to sit there with a the football fan's hat on and say, it's not our league. It's their league. Because if those fans walk away, those teams all fold. Who's playing in it? Listen, I, I, I listen to... <laughs> I said this very ended, but this is I listen to a... I follow this guy and he, he's a very successful businessman and he, he said something once in it and it stuck with me. It's stuck with me ever since. It's like, you will never be a successful boss if you do not get this in your head. You work for your employees. Mm. So my boss works for me and I work for them. Mm-hmm. Because if I do not make the people below me happy, and I use below in literally, I don't mean below me, but I mean the people that I'm responsible for, I yeah. need to make sure they're happy for them to do what I need them to do. And then the person above me needs to make sure I'm happy so I do what he wants. The EFL needs to make sure everyone's happy so that they play well. And then the clubs make sure the fans are happy and it trickles down because ultimately the fans are on top. The yeah. fans are on top and they are... They are the say or you know, yes or no situation. Do we support this? Do we not? Yeah. Then it's the clubs. Then it's the EFL. The EFL and the Premier League and the FA and the La Liga and the Bundesliga and Serie A and Liga and the friggin' West Cheshire League and the Jersey football combination. It's their responsibility to make sure everyone else is happy. That's not happening, that was it, yeah. And that's that's you know, I, I think we need clearer lines. Or the breakaway organisation from the FA. No, 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 no. Don't European Super League me, Christ. No, 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 no. <laughs> for, our, for our fans, start from grassroots level, break away from the FA. What did the FA offer, realistically? You can play football without the FA. No, you yeah. can. You can yeah. play football without the FA. Just saying. There's a different way to do it. I'm just saying. This, this, will, uh, this will roll on and on. It will, but sadly enough for today. No, sadly enough for today. We're pressed for time. Quickly, before we go. Yeah, go on. At the time of listening, if you listen to this on Friday, I'm on a plane. Let's hope it's landed safely. I'm going home. I'm away next week. I've gone back home to Jersey for a week. Um, so yesterday, so Wednesday, at the time of recording, we recorded our Premier League award show. We've done our mm. team of the year, player of the year, manager of the year, our most disappointing moment our most exciting moment our surprising player our disappointing player and a couple others um, so that'll be out next week so yeah. if when you're listening next week uh, some major things have happened and we're not talking about them that's why and we'll cover them in two weeks time because someone's uh, very selfish someone's very selfish and they're going away by the way enjoy your new job next week thank you Bye-bye. enjoy your flight yeah well it's a only a half hour that, flight that's all i'm after that's all i'm after that's all i'm after so yeah, that's just a little heads up to next week. Still got a full show, still a long one. Go into everything in detail. Um, but yeah, any major news that's missed out, that's why. Yeah. I will see us out as always. You can follow us on Twitter at Two Men Rambling with the number two, and you can contact us at Two Men Rambling at gmail.com. That's the number two. Um, you can also comment on the YouTube videos. The full podcast goes out there as well as the clips Monday through Thursday, as I've said. Comment, like, subscribe. Same with the podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Tell your families and friends. 
share the love. David? Thank you again, guys, for for tuning in and listening. It is very much appreciated. I have a lot of things I like to get off my chest. And unfortunately for Jacques, I bore him a few times throughout the week about it. But this is the one time where we actually get to get a stranglehold on it. And we have that back and forth. Otherwise, it's David, save it for Thursday, save it for Thursday. <laughs> um, but no, appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And thank you for commenting um, and interacting with us. It, it, it just validates for us that somebody is out there. Otherwise, you're just numbers on a page which I don't like to see. I like to see names and, and faces and questions and, and comments, whether they're nice or not. I don't mind. I've got thick skin. But yeah, thank you again, guys. It, Jack, it, thank you for that. Yeah, the, the, the comments we've had about the Wigan thing, it humanised it more than we already... We know it's, you know, we've, we've yeah. about, we know how important it is and what a, you know, what a, what a shame it is. Yeah. But that, that, put, that started to put a human, you know, element. It did, yeah, yeah. Which, um, which is needed. Yeah. Which is needed. It's needed yes. more from the top to the bottom. Definitely so. Thank you very much, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. In a bit. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.